Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I'm joined by my Thunder Buddy from across the country on the West Coast, West Coast elite Joe Masato. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing good, Michael. Um, it is a rainy day in Los Angeles, very cloudy. Not 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 what you think of as Los Angeles, but um, you know, it's a it's a good time to stay inside and and do a podcast. Well, I don't know if you saw the local news, but Mayor David Holt announced that there will be a Nick Collison day. Did you hear about that? Is, is that right? I That's thought that was real. like an old thing. Oh, okay. oh, it was an older thing. You're right. But I just wanted to ask you, since that was um, the other day, how would you uh, celebrate Nick Collison Day? How would they like you? Yeah, this is an old tweet. I, I guess I would celebrate by, uh, well, maybe in honor of Nick Collison, I would I would pull up all of uh, Jay Will's charges from this season and just watch them on a on a loop. The uh, the second coming of of Nick Collison, taker of charges. I think Nick Collison's a wine guy when he was watching that, or is it like a, a cold one? <laughs> what are what are we thinking here? How does he wind down after long day? I feel like I feel like wine would go well to like offset. You know, w- wine might calm you down a little bit to offset just like the the violence of seeing a guy take a charge. So. Uh, probably eats that stuff up. Yeah, in honor of Nick Collison, we're all going to break our noses and then uh, do some different bounce passes to James Harden cutting on the baseline. But yeah, Jay Will's got to establish that two two man connection with somebody. He's got to figure it out. Someone. Step. Yeah, it's just we have the Nick Collison uh, clone. We just who's going to be the next James Harden guy, or is it just going to be Jalen Williams ex Jalen Williams? Oh boy, let's find someone else just so we can. Uh... Avoid confusion. Yeah, well, it was a fun night the other day as uh, SGA Shine versus the Suns in a big time game where the Thunder got the win over the uh, four seeded Phoenix Suns, one twenty four to one twenty, in a big time comeback where the Thunder capped off an eighteen to two run late in the game. Just want to know your overall thoughts and takeaways from a big one the other day in Oklahoma City. So you mentioned the eighteen to two run, the three pointer that Isaiah Joe made that capped off that run and led to a Phoenix timeout was probably the loudest I've heard Paycom Center all season, and it was just a really fun night at the arena. You had, you know, two good teams in there. I, I know the Suns were obviously missing Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, but you got a star performance from Devin Booker. Um, you had a dueling star performance from Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, the big run there, uh, the, the Aaron Wiggins fourth quarter, it was just a really fun game. And I don't, I don't know about you, Michael, but like you can, the energy is just sort of kind of intensifying degree by degree, um, with every game left now. And, and it's kind of fun that you can feel that. Yeah. You get the games where it's louder than others, but you could physically feel the more pressure or just more energy in the crowd that night where, I know the Thunder would never do this. There's been NFL teams that do this, but it's at points it was so loud. It was like, are they piping in noise or is it actually <laughs> this loud? But it was really just that loud. The fans were that excited about that run, especially with that Isaiah Joe three. Um, I think a lot of it got um, kind of kicked off with Shea at the end of the third quarter, making that buzzer beating layup plus an and one that I think really kind of sparked that run. Yeah, yeah, that was a big moment as well to kind of give the Thunder some momentum going into the fourth quarter. And um, we got to talk about our guy, Aaron Wiggins, the basketball player, because he sits for three quarters and plays all but three seconds of the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, 
Mark Dagnalt, I guess he uh, did the right thing at the right time because Wiggins was awesome. I'm, you know, it's hard to hard to quibble after they just won a game, but um, I I still don't quite get the the Aaron Wiggins minutes or kind of like in and out of the rotation. But hey, whenever he's called upon, that uh, that guy comes to play, and I thought he was awesome in the fourth quarter. Breaking case of emergency: Aaron Wiggins off the bench. Yeah, he's like the he's like the ultimate uh, secret weapon that they just have sitting over there, and you wait till the right time to use it. Especially whenever they're like what nine and or ten and two when he starts now. I think his only losses were like both to the Warriors. Was that it? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. His his two uh, the only two lo- losses when when he started came to the Warriors. Michael, you, you're you're a smart man, and you know the the Thunder's playing well. This is not a this is not me like um bashing the thunder this is me being genuinely curious why why does aaron wiggins not play more i was about to text you that during the game the other day it's just <laughs> i was like is there some does aaron wiggins have dirt on someone like what is <laughs> happening why why doesn't he get to play i think some of it is with lindy and i don't want to sound like i'm crushing lindy cuz i think he's been good this year i thought he was pretty good the other night defensively mm-hmm. uh, for sure but We've talked about this. I just don't see a world where Lindy should get the first crack or the first opportunities at those minutes before Aaron at this point, because he's a better defender. He's a better ball handler. He's not the shooter that Lindy is. But with Lindy, he's one of those guys where you can just kind of send out and you can kind of test the waters in the first five minutes of like, oh, he doesn't have it tonight. And you send him right back to the bench. And unless he's on one of those heaters, I just don't understand how you can really justify playing those minutes with him over Aaron, because Aaron feels like he would be a bigger part of the team in the future too. I, I like, I said, test the waters. That was a, uh, that was, well that done. wasn't even intentional, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Cause you just zipped right by it. Yep. Um, I I'm with you. Like Lindy, Lindy is much more of a specialist. Um, in, you know, he, he is a better three point shooter than Aaron Wiggins. Um, Aaron Wiggins is never going to put up threes at that kind of volume, but it's not like, I, I mean, this is not a big number of attempts. Aaron Wiggins is shooting 38% from three on 1.7 attempts per game. So like he's, he's a competent option when he gets the ball on the wing or in the corner and, you know, no one's going to close out hard to, to defend him. So he can, he can still make the defense pay. Um, And I'm glad you mentioned like Lindy is, Lindy is like Isaiah Joe in this way that, they're both better defenders than you might think or that their stature would suggest, or like there's the stigma around three point specialists that that's all they do. And they can't play any defense. Lindy fights in there, but I'm, I'm with you. I, if this was a, and I know we'll get to this later, but if this was a winner go home game, I would rather give those minutes to, to Aaron Wiggins or balance them more evenly. Um, You know, they're, they're not going to shorten their rotation right now, but, you know, instead of playing Trey Mann six minutes or Robinson Earl seven minutes, some of those could go to Wiggins. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, this is a this is the point of the Thunder season that we're in. Everything's everything's rolling, so we can uh, we we can wonder why why Aaron Wiggins isn't playing more. We can worry about the really big issues out there, but. Yeah. It, it was a fun game the other night. I wanted to get back to a couple things from that game. Um, no Aiton, no Kevin Durant for the Suns, so they were kind of 
I don't know, already after that Durant trade, they've been a little bit thinner and playing some different guys. I think Monty Williams was just throwing out whatever out there, just trying to find a spark, even through Darius Baisley out there in his return. But overall, I just want to get your thoughts on Shea versus Devin Booker, because we got a classic kind of duel there of those guys going back and forth. Yeah, just just incredible scores like Shea scores 40 points without even attempting a three pointer and he's a guard. So just just a total anomaly in today's NBA and Devin Booker from the mid range, just killing the thunder. And, you know, I thought Lou Dort and whoever else the thunder put on him did as good of a job as you can. But Devin Booker is just one of those scores in which, like, all he needs is an inch of space to get a shot off and it's going to be pure and it doesn't matter how good the defense is. He's just a very, very special scorer. So when you've got two of the best young guards on the floor in the same game, it's really fun to watch. And Devin Booker, I don't think a lot of these guys in the NBA get enough credit for this, but just how highly adaptable and how smart they are about if you throw one coverage out three possessions in a row, he's already solved it. He's going to figure it out. He's going to do something different. So I like that stuff from Mark where he did some different things like late in the fourth. Um, I noticed they played this lineup because the two man game was killing him. It was like Devin Booker and Bismack Biombo just getting a bunch of space. He'd get into that mid range shot. But what they did is they put Shea on Devin Booker and they put Dort on Biombo. So if they ever did that two man game, you're just switching from Shea right into Dort. I thought that was great mm-hmm. kind of tactical stuff from Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that that stuff is fun to see, you know, and it's like emblematic of, you know, playing these games that that really matter and that that each team is trying to go get. It's kind of like a chess match that you have um, between Mark Dagnalt and and Money Williams there. Um, I I thought it was it's obviously a better matchup for the Thunder without kind of a a looming presence in Aiton at the rim, just given how well Shea gets to the rim. Um, so that helped out quite a bit. You mentioned Baisley, talked to him before the game, and um, he uh, he was really popular in the Thunder's locker room and uh, just had kind of nothing but good things to to say. It, it's been, he, he had obviously fallen out of the Thunder's rotation, but with the Suns, he's barely playing at all. That was just his third game since he was traded that he even appeared in. Two of those have been against the Thunder. Um, the first one in Phoenix was a blowout, and that's the only reason he played. So he he's a guy that I I almost think, and it's a little too late for this now, given how important these games are. But he, he didn't play well the other night and just looked tentative offensively. And we know the limitations on that end of the floor. But like if if this was the Thunder, I think that um you could have thrown Basley out on Shea just for a little bit, just to throw him off because he's one of those big guys. Shea has, he, he doesn't have trouble with anyone. Shea, the guys that give him the most trouble are those bigger wings like Herb Jones, Aaron Gordon, big bodied guys who can move their feet. Um, so I think Basley can like still be, uh, still help out in matchups like that. But um, obviously he's not going to do that for the Suns yet. Hasn't built up that cachet, but uh, good to see Darius Basley back in. Old Paycom Center. Very good. He got a very warm reception. Not as much as Chris Paul. I know Ryland Styles, our our good friend, locked on Thunder, was very excited to see a uh, building block Baisley, according to him, in the building. But I thought another one of those fun matchups was when the Suns went to Baisley at the five. I was talking to Brandon Rabar on Media Row. I'm just dropping names by accident here, but um. 
we were talking and I remember they had Baisley out there. I was like, why don't you go J dub at the five? If you're going to have Baisley out there at the five. Like what are, are you really worried yeah. that Baisley is going to back him down? But I I'm very interested in all the kind of tactical things as we get into more and more Sam Presti word of the day, uh, games of consequence or phrase of the day. And we see Mark kind of coaching a little bit different, but I thought that was a fun game. And as you talked about, like right off the top loudest, we've heard the Paycom center in a minute. Yeah. And like Mark, talked about how the crowd swung the game. All the players talked about it. Um, I think it was like a message to the fans of like, hey, keep bringing that. And I, I said this on Thunder After Dark, but I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing. I, I think a lot of people have are kind of late to the party with, with this Thunder team or don't quite realize like how well they've been playing this season, the leap that, that Shea has taken and just like how much fun it is to, to watch this, like, you know, this team that is maybe in the last year of its rebuild, but like the upward trajectory is, is still going and kind of like, you know, if you're a fan, you would want to get in on the ground floor of that. And I feel like some fans have kind of like missed that a little bit or don't don't even know exactly what they're watching out there. Um, so to to see to see the crowd get after it um, in that game was cool. Yeah, it's never too late to jump on the bandwagon for this Thunder team and listen to us on the Thunder Buddies and watch this team and support them. It's been a lot of fun, but I've related it to like a TV show where you miss the pilot and you miss some of like the integral like starts of the storytelling and like character development. But it makes a little bit more rich if you can start from there and go forward. But it's still been a fun time watching this team uh, going back a little bit. Lasting on the Suns is that Shea beats his old mentor in CP3. I wanted to ask you if you have any fun Chris Paul Shea stories or memories from your first year on the beat. Well, those two guys were really close. Um, CP, the the two guys he he mentored especially were Shea and ironically enough Darius Baisley. Like those, those three were pretty inseparable. Um, Shea and, and CP would always work out. There's basically, you know, two big courts at the Thunder's practice facility. So four baskets to shoot at. And Shea and CP were, were always on one end of the floor together working out. Um, Shea's talked about this, but like just to have a guy like CP in your second NBA season um, and just like his knowledge. Also, like, I gained so much respect for Chris Paul that year, just the way he handled that situation, him playing so well. That that 2019-2020 team was was really fun. Um, way different than this team, but also unexpectedly uh good. I mean, that team was better, but um yeah, like not not one memory stands out. Um we wrote a lot about his diet, uh, because you know that's that's when he uh he went with the the vegan diet that has apparently changed the the course of his career. So that was that was good. He bought every te- he bought every teammate a suit. So that was uh when Stephen Adams walked in wearing a suit was uh was a change. So I remember like yeah, Nerlens Noel was on that team. Hami Diallo, uh, Nader. They they all walked in together wearing like matching suits, and that that's something that uh, a vet like that will do. So yeah, Chris Paul uh, seems like an awesome guy. Has his hands in so many things on and off the court, and 
you know, it's been up and down for him this season, but still a guy I would put full trust in come playoff time. Absolutely. But let's move into some of the playoff stuff. West standings watch. I'm just going to go over the standings as of this morning on March 21st, 2023. Currently, uh, the Thunder sit tied at the 8-9 spot with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They trail the Dallas Mavericks by half a game. The Golden State Warriors by one full game. Oh, I also failed to mention that they are tied with the Jazz at 10, who are at 12 and a half, along with the Thunder and the uh, the Wolves. And then they are right above the Lakers and the Pelicans, who trail the Thunder, um, Jazz, and Wolves cluster by half a game. And New Orleans is back by a full game. So I just wanted to recap that and then go over um, just some important games here, because it feels like a lot of these teams are trending sliding down what's been the biggest takeaway you've had as we've kind of watched this playoff race come down who's playing well who's playing bad in your your eyes right now well my takeaway is like the the thunder has been remarkably stable compared to to its playing competitors i mean you you can already cross the blazers off the list at this point the pelicans have have been hurt not playing well the Jazz, like I can't figure out. I I kind of thought they they should have gone all in on the tank and the lottery standings, um, but they're still you know hanging around. the The Lakers, who who knows when LeBron is is going to be back. So I just look at the Thunder, and you know, going back to that five game losing streak they had when Shea was out, then got COVID, missed those games. It looked fairly dire. Um, but now you look at it, and uh, I mean, I'll just uh, I'll plug a story I wrote today that uh, you can find online. But like, I just compared the Thunder to its play in competition. So there are, as you just laid out so eloquently, um, there are seven teams within two games uh, of each other, from uh, the six seeded Warriors to the twelfth seeded Pelicans. So basically. Those seven teams are the Thunder's play-in slash back into the playoff competition. Among those teams, the Thunder has a 4.5 net rating, which means they outscore opponents um, by 4.5 points per 100 possessions. Excuse me. This is since January 1st. Um, Arbitrary cutoff date, yes, but a clean cutoff date that everyone can easily understand. So since January 1, Thunder has a 4.5 net rating. The second best among those seven teams they're competing with in the play-in, the Los Angeles Lakers with a 1.1 net rating. That's a huge gap between a 4.5 and a 1.1. And as you'll see here, Warriors 0.9, Timberwolves 0.7, Jazz have a negative net rating, Mavericks minus 1.6, Pelicans way the heck down there at minus 3.9. And even if you want to get rid of that January 1st cutoff and go full season, um, the Thunder has a plus 1.4 net rating. Second best is the Pelicans at 0.6. So I I say all this to outline that like the Thunder has just been better than the teams it's competing with in the play-in. Now you can say, what about the Lakers if they're at full strength? What about the Warriors if they're at full strength? That's true. Like I, I would probably pick both of those teams. Um, but at this point, like it is what it is. Like the those teams have been up and down and aren't healthy. And the Thunder is about as healthy as they could be right now and have a three-month track record of playing much better basketball than the teams they're competing with. 
Yeah, I'm glad you hit on the stable nature of the Thunder right now because a lot of these teams you'd think would be more stable than them, but the Thunder who were not expected to be in this position at all in the play-in mix, playoff mix, youngest team in the NBA, we've talked about that till you know our hair falls out, goes gray or whatever it is, cliche. But um, the Thunder have been mo- uh, much more stable than the teams who are also in that mix, like the Clippers, Warriors, Mavs, Wolves, Lakers, Pelicans, Jazz, and Blazers have all had their you know, major concerns throughout the season. I wanted to talk about this stat that I found from the four seeded Suns all the way down to the 13 spotted Blazers. Only two teams in that range have had a record above 500 in their last 10 games. Can you name those two teams? The Thunder. The Thunder. And then who are the other team? Um... The Lakers. It is the Los Angeles Lakers who are yes. six and four and the Thunder have been seven and three. You're going home with a brand new car. It's a Hot Wheels, but it's a new car. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it, Michael. But the Thunder are just playing with house money and they're fearless right now. Um, they're just playing some of their best basketball right now. They have had those injuries like we talked about with Chet. I think Ken Richards is going to be very, very missed down this stretch, but they're about as healthy as they're going to get, even with Shea playing through the, these injuries. But I think they're in a good spot right now. Yeah, they've won seven of their last nine. I, I mean, since that stretch that Shea missed, um, they've won seven of their last nine, and their only two losses. One came at Phoenix. That's certainly excusable. And one came at Toronto, and that that's fine as well. So they've won all their home games during that stretch, won a, won a few on the road, and... A, a rather large stretch coming up, obviously. And for those who are standing watching, I wanted to go through a couple of games over the next few days up until Friday when we have another pod. But Tuesday night, just in terms of games with Thunder implications in the playoffs and the play in the Spurs and the Pelicans, the Spurs have been awful, but the Pelicans recently lost to the Rockets. So I'm not going to put anything past the Pelicans as they continue to slide. Wednesday night, we have a lot of games, Joe. We have Hawks, Wolves, Mavs, Warriors with the Warriors on the road who have finally got their first road win against the Rockets last night, but have been playing horribly on the road. Lakers, Suns, and finally Jazz Blazers in a game which should probably eliminate the Blazers if they lose on top of playing the Thunder soon, and hopefully the Thunder can get a win in that one. And then Thursday, there are no other games that really have any um, bearing on the Thunder outside of their own game against the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, the, this is the point in the season with the standing so jumbled that you know, every night is going to have games like this. So, um, yeah, just looking at those, like Warriors Mavericks is one I'm circling. That's an ESPN game um, on Wednesday night. That one will be will be fun. Both of those teams are just so weird. Never know what's what's going on. Like, I still believe in the Warriors. I uh, I might even still be at the point where I'd pick them to win the West, but the road thing is so weird. Um, and it's the, the vibes aren't, aren't always great. Big vibes guy, Phoenix. I know I'm getting off track here. Phoenix. I seeing them the other night, even without Aiton and Durant, it's a good team. Yeah. And you know, some of the guys that, that they played at the back end of the rotation, aren't going to be playing in the playoffs if they're fully healthy. So I really like them still, but. Yeah, the West is I, I think the East is over there just licking their chops. Like the Bucks, hey, let's get out of the East, we're gonna win the title. The Sixers, let's get out of the East, we're gonna win the title. The Celtics, same thing. It's just hard to see a West team that's gonna beat one of those uh East teams at this point. 
It is. And I feel like with kind of the super team era, my brain at least has been kind of reconfigured on what does a championship team look like? Because it used to be you have two stars, plus you have the third guy. And now we're in a completely different iteration of the NBA where teams have won the championship and you look at them on paper and just look at the past teams. You're like, that team's not good enough to win. It's like, well, they they did win. So obviously they are. But Mm -hmm. when you look at teams like maybe that Lakers bubble team and compare them to those past Warriors teams or those Cavs teams or whatever. It doesn't look like they'd kind of match up, but I thought that was interesting. Maybe, you know, I'm going off on a tangent as well, but do you see that sort of similarly? Yeah. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of the, the last few, I, I mean, Brooklyn is our most recent example of these super teams that have kind of failed and the Warriors were just the constant for so long. LeBron in the East, wherever he was, was such a constant for so long um, that our minds kind of have to uh, to adapt to what new championship teams might look like. Um, I I'm a big Milwaukee guy this year, Michael. It's hard. It's hard not to be. I mean, they're just playing so well right now. Giannis is making a late MVP push. Um, Celtics weird weird things happening uh up northeast and in, in Boston but yeah it's like and I mentioned the Bucks and Warriors those are two teams that have done it before and proven themselves so uh, I put a lot of stock into that this time of year so um sorry for taking us from the playing race and the Pelicans and the Blazers to to uh previewing the NBA finals here the Blazers by the way they're done they're done mark them off the list scratch them off we don't need them but the Thunder go Hollywood. You're already in L.A. right now. Are there any touristy things that you've done in your time in L.A.? Not just today, but in the times where you visited covering the Thunder? You know, not really. Um, I'm staying pretty close to the old crypt, as they call it, um, formerly known as the Staples Center. Uh, you know, I'll find some good places to to eat lunch and everything. But like today is just so nasty outside that I'm probably not going to do all that much. But you know, for an NBA player, this is about as good as it gets. I mean, the Thunder sing in Beverly Hills, um, as they always do, and uh, four nights in LA is is kind of crazy. I'm gonna have five nights in LA because I don't fly out after the after the game on Friday like they do. Um, but yeah, not much is not much is on my agenda. I probably won't be uh, strolling the streets of Beverly Hills and entering uh, shops that uh, are out of my price range. I appreciate it. I remember one time. I'll just eat some tacos. Yeah, that's Taco Bell. Find a local spot like that. (laughs) But uh, one time I did go to L.A. with my mom. We were going to watch the Rose Bowl when OU lost to Georgia in a heartbreaker. We don't need to recount that. But um, we went to L.A. It's a good game to go to. It was a fun game. It's the best game I've ever been to if you take out the part where like my heart was smashed to a billion pieces. (laughs) But um yeah, we were in L.A. and my mom so badly wanted to get a picture in front of the Hollywood sign. So we're walking up and down the streets. We're going down. I think we walked for maybe 30 minutes going one way. And we're like, we cannot see this sign. So finally, my mom's like, I give up. We're not going to walk anymore. Let's just find an Uber. They'll take us there. And then lo and behold, and I had to like contain myself. But my mom had us walking the wrong direction from the sign. And we walked Ooh. about 30 blocks the wrong way. And then the Uber guy goes, well, First of all, it's that way. And we turn around and somehow we didn't see the sign was just like right there, just behind us the whole time. But that that was a fun time in L.A. Uh, walking over the Hollywood stars. I'm looking forward to the Joe Masato L.A. vlog here. But the Thunder Go Hollywood. How um, 
what will be the most important factors over these next three games as they play the Clippers twice and then the Lakers in the second night of a back-to-back? Is there anybody you're looking to step up or anything like that? Well, I'm fascinated by these Clippers games because you rarely see Kawhi and PG out there together. Um, and it looks like it's going to happen, at least for tonight as we're recording this on Tuesday night. Hopefully it will happen uh, on Thursday as well. Which means the guy I'm really going to focus on is J-Dub and what he does defensively. Because obviously Dort will take on one of those assignments. Um, and I think J-Dub will, will take on the other. So just a really tough team to, to guard with those big wings. So I'm looking at how, uh, how J-Dub responds in this situation. And just the Thunder in general. I mean, this is a team that starts two rookies um, in J-Dub and J-Will second year player and and Josh Giddy and then Shea and Dort. Those of you know mat some matchups aside, that's pretty much the Thunder starting five at this point. Um and you know they're just kind of a new terrain, like a position they haven't been in before. Um both of these teams are kind of desperate out here as well. Um so just uh some really intriguing basketball games. Absolutely. I mean, these Clippers ones are just so unpredictable because you don't know which games Kawhi is going to play in. In the games where he has played since like January 1st, he's been playing at like an MVP level. Paul George has been much better since the addition of Russell Westbrook uh, with a lot less turnovers. Russ has been fun. I know that the meme of their record being bad when he's out there has been flowing around, but I've seen some decent minutes from him. But I'm with you. I think J-Dub needs to step up. Um, bounce back game for him hopefully tonight after he only had five points on one of six shooting the other night against Phoenix he was just really in a funk he obviously impacts the game in different ways but the Thunder are definitely going to need his shooting and scoring to win as many games as they can as they continue this race Um, and then the next question I guess I have for this next stretch is how many games do you think Shea plays because I think the other day I heard from um, it was a practice video or something like that where Mark said it wasn't maybe out of the realm of possibilities. He plays all three or maybe I'm, I'm wrong in this. No, you're right. They, they, uh, they've been pretty quiet on this and I, I don't even think we'll find out today. I, I truly don't know what the plan is, is for Shea. I don't know if it's easier to play second night of a back to back when, you know, you're, going back to the hotel room that you've stayed in for a couple of nights and you don't have to travel and maybe your body's in, in better shape. So I have no idea if he's going to play in that um, Thursday, Friday, back-to-back. But on this road trip, two against the Clippers, one against the Lakers, one against the Blazers, I think you can conservatively project that he'll play in three of the four um, and not ruling out all four of them. Well, after these three games, do you think the Thunder will be, let's say we'll talk next Tuesday. Um not mention the Blazers game. Yeah, let's just plan for it now. In pin. <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, will the Thunder at that point be higher, lower, or in the same place in the standings by then? This is like, uh, do, you, do, you, do you wear contacts? I do not. Oh, it's, it's like going to the uh, optometrist. It's like better or worse or the same. Um, but you don't know what that's like, Michael. I have a lot of uh, flaws. My vision is not one of them. That's just that's one of the few things that I've, I've skated out on. There are other things I'm horrible at, but I can see things. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So without doing a deep dive on the other schedules, I am going to say that the Thunder 
it's better. I'm going to say, I, well, I'm going to say they're in this eight, nine spot still like right now they're tied with the, with the Timberwolves. Um, you know, if they, if they beat the Lakers, they're obviously going to be ahead of the Lakers. Um, Pelicans trailblazers aren't going to pass them. I don't think the jazz is going to pass them. So I still think they'll be in that eight, nine mix after this road trip. And, you know, at this point, if you go two and two, that'd be a great outcome uh, on this road trip. And all, all, that's all you have to do at this point is like keep your head above water because uh, you look to your left and you look to to your right and your uh, your friends are drowning. Uh, your foes, I guess, not to get too dark here, but that's what's happening in the in the West playoff race. That's the joke that I make with my parents all the time where I tell them that I'm their favorite kid and they go, you are? And I go, well... The other two, my two siblings, I go, they're just kind of like tripping over each other while I'm just kind of walking backwards across the finish yeah, line, barely just, finishing. Just keep your feet. Yep. That's uh, that's the goal at this point. That's it. But um, I did do a small deep dive so you didn't have to about the Wolves. I think they passed them straight I knew you up. Would. Of course you did. We've we've been uh, doing this far too long. <laughs> We're gotten the yin and yang of things, but they have a road gauntlet of well, the the Wolves first play the Hawks as I previously mentioned, and then they have a road gauntlet of at the Warriors, second night of a back to back. They're at the Kings against the Beam team, and then finally to round up that three game road trip, they go to Phoenix to play the Suns. So I think that the oh good grief, yeah, the Wolves are they're trending down. Yeah. Okay. The Thunder's going to be ahead of the Wolves. I'll tell you that. That's a gauntlet. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to go play the Hawks and then the, uh, the Warriors finally at home, second night of back to back against the beam team. And then your reward is, hey, maybe DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant will be back and you can get blown out. Yeah, by may, them. Maybe maybe they'll get one of those. And that. Uh, yeah, that 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 might even be surprising. So, yeah, feel bad for the Wolves. Not too bad because it's going to help the Thunder, but bad enough. Just Ant and Mike Conley, I guess. Yeah, I'm not a big Wolves. Not a big Wolves guy. Not a big music guy or Wolves guy, Joe Masato. But uh, I mean, the animal's fine. I've never really encountered one, but uh, we'll make it happen. I, did you see the thunder at the zoo the other day? We're gonna plan a meetup between you and a wolf. I like the zoo. I, I like the zoo. I, I did see the thunder at the zoo. That was nice. Was very nice. But um, we mentioned this earlier in sort of passing, but. Who's playing in the play-in for the Thunder? Let's have a little fun. Knock on wood. Let's say the Thunder do make the play-in for sure. The matchups are important, obviously, but who's in your eight to nine-man rotation in a must-win environment in the, uh, the play-in or the playoffs? Because earlier this season and throughout the season, Mark has been known to vary up the rotation and play as many as 14, 15 guys to 10 or 12. But in the playoffs, when starters are playing more minutes, the minutes crunch gets real. So who are the guys you trust out there to be in a playoff rotation or play in rotation. Okay. I really like this exercise. Um, and like you said, we don't know what the matchup would be, but right now, if I had to make an eight man thunder rotation being like these eight guys will give the thunder the best chance to win a basketball game on one night. I, uh, I'm going to go with the, the aforementioned five that, that have been their regular starters, SGA, Giddy, Dort, JWJ, Will. At this point, I think J. Will is going to be out there and uh, is going to be playing in a game like this. So that leaves me three bench spots if you want to go with an eight-man rotation, and then I'll, uh, I have a ninth man if we want to go there. Uh, off the bench, Isaiah Joe. He's, uh, he's earned a spot at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Aaron Wiggins. They've been saving him up, Joe. Sorry, sorry for yelling. Michael, I struggled. Well, not struggled. There's just a lot of options. Like if you wanna if you wanna have an eighth man, I I I think that they're gonna need some size. So I went with Dario Saric. Is that crazy? No, that's what I had immediately. I was like, oh, Dario's in this. Just write that down in pen. But so it was it was easy for you. Very easy. I, I I mean, some of it is they just need size, and I don't know who else is that's going to be because Jerry's been completely out of the rotation for a very long time. He played the other night, but he just, since that ankle injury, has just been a completely different player and really out of rhythm. And then I had the same as you. I had Shea, J-Dub, Giddy, Dort, J-Will, the five starters. And then off the bench, I had Wiggins, Joe, and Saric. And I also had some wild card spots, but I want to hear yours first. My ninth man is Lindy Waters, the third. Um, clearly, they like what he's done. Um, he's a guy that that can play situationally. You know, you know, Mark does a lot of these offense defense substitutions. So with a guy like like think of an end of the quarter situation, Thunder has an offensive possession. Lindy Waters can go in there. There's a timeout or a dead ball or something like that. Then he subs in Aaron Wiggins for Lindy Waters on the defensive end. Like I think they would do a lot of that type of stuff in the playoffs. Um, but you know, Lindy is a guy that you know this is a drive, 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 drive team, and you want a guy you can kick out to that's going to make a shot. Uh, so I put Lindy in there. I had two wild card spots, one a little bit more wild than the other. I had Lindy too for some of those just heat uh, check spots where you come in like we're ta- uh, we talked about earlier, the pun, testing out the waters, see if he's mm-hmm. uh, on a hot streak or not. And then just for fun, just what if Poku Don't. comes back and does something, oh just something. It, it's a wild ca- card spot for a reason, Joe. It doesn't mean we're going to use it, but it, we've got it in oh. our back pocket. <laughs> feel like barry right now and you just like say something and he can't even like believe it L- listen i i i i've said this all year i was i was too hard on poku but like the idea of seeing poku come back after not playing nba basketball since december and playing being one of the eight or nine best players in a, in a play-in game that uh I can't quite I can't quite get there. I had JRE, Trey Man, Poku, Jang, and uh Jared Butler because he's still on the team. Is is the guys is the guys who would not be in the rotation. Um but you know, I, I laugh. Like one of those uh break glass in case of emergency, like would I rather JRE play? Probably man who who knows it just seems like man's got to get to the off season and and uh get his confidence up jang i'll give you this i would play poku over jang uh assuming poku is healthy but um yeah that's a oh man got to bring some spice oh i wasn't ready for i wasn't ready for that curveball I, I swung and missed at that one uh you just got to always know i'm going to take a chance at poku while he's still here and I don't think he's a perfect player by any means, but just for fun, just a wild card. But you've said it. That's what Barry does to me. But it's usually not on like basketball takes. It's more so like you don't remember this country artist from 1923 who only had one um, album <laughs> and it was 
uh, only released to Tennessee people. somebody. Yeah, and it was only released uh, to the South uh, 25 states or something like that. And it's like, Barry, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. And he's like, I just this is foreign to me. It's like I told him I didn't know what McDonald's was. Yeah, that was a, I enjoyed that moment from the last pod. But I, I think so. So the. Uh, the takeaway that we've just done was that the exercise might be easier than you think, or it's, it's a pretty clear, I think it's a crystal clear seven. If you're an Aaron Wiggins believer and, um, you made me feel better about my Sharich pick for eight. Um, and, and then we were both kind of in agreement there on, on Lindy. And then you get a little crazy, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we, I think that's the squad. Yeah, and the Thunder. I'm sure a, Mark Zagnall thinks differently, but that's what we think. We'll send him. Um, you can play this for him later when you talk to him and just go, "What do you think about this?" Just a 10 minute clip is your one question. Yeah, I try not to uh, give advice to to people who are a lot smarter than me, so I'll uh, I'll just keep this one between us. That's that's good advice. I shouldn't have given you that advice because you're smarter <laughs> than me. But um, it it's fun. Uh, I think they're in a decent position, Mark. This whole season. You know, they've obviously had an undersized team. I've really appreciated the fact that, you know, some teams try to match size with size. And Mark is like, that is just not going to work. So we're going to go all in on small ball. So I think that's something that would happen in the play in the postseason, too, is just even if you're playing against Minnesota with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, we saw this opening night where they started Poku and Kenrich. But I think that they're just going to zag the opposite way and say, we can't beat you at your game, but we're going to try to make you come out in space and play our game. It really does stink that Kenrich is out because he's like the ultimate playoff guy can play in any position, any matchup and just kind of that rugged force that you need in the playoffs. And I was thinking back to that first Minnesota game as well, where it's like, okay, how are they going to go big? Are they going to start JRE and Poku? Like that's probably their best lineup. Um, And then they start Kenrich who like hardly started at all the year before that. So, uh, and then he became so effective in that small ball five role. And they're missing that now. I thought, you know, we, we've seen J-Dub kind of fill that spot sometimes. Uh, Wiggins, a little too small, probably. And not not as strong. Um, or just as nasty as, as Kenrich is. Um, but, but yeah, like, I wish we could see, uh, see old Ken Hustle in a playoff game. Kenrich has dad strength, and that cannot be underrated or understated enough. I think he's the only. Uh, I don't know what charge is. I, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't be guessing. But uh, Henrich is actually a dad, and this is a team where, as Shea said yesterday, there are a bunch of high school kids, and uh, no one else really has. Uh, I don't even know if anyone else has kids. Wild stuff. That's that's a deep dive. I'm sure that you will. You and Barry on your on his scissor tails will get into just some investigative reporting on which players on the Thunder have kids. Yeah, I probably won't go there, but they're they're all young, man. They're probably not. No, it, it's, it's fun. Crazy. I mean, just um, did we talk about this last time about J Dub joining Shea the other night at the press conference? I thought that was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, it is. Here, here's the deal. This is this is where I'm going to be, Mister Get Off My Lawn, old man. It is fun, and I do like those interactions, but I always find it harder to like talk to two guys at once in a post-game presser or especially like 
if you were going to ask J-Dub about Shay or Shay about J-Dub, it's very weird to talk about somebody when they're in the room right next to you. Whereas usually it's like when we're asking Mark about, okay, what do you think of how Josh Giddy played today? Josh Giddy's not sitting in the front row and like, okay, yeah, 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 Mark, what what do you think? Obviously he's telling uh, these guys behind the scenes. He's not breaking any news up there on the podium. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about these uh, these dual press conferences. Other teams do them all the time. Like they'll bring up their two best players and uh, they'll both be sitting up there together. Thunder, I, I don't think they ever plan to do that. I think sometimes J-Dub is a little silly and likes to join the thing. But very inside baseball. It's not my favorite, but um, sometimes I have an aversion to fun. And, and that's one of those times. I'm going to one up you with something even spicier here. <laughs> Because I've, I've had this one in the tank for a while. I don't want kids in the press conference where it's like somebody after a big game in a playoff game and they have their toddler on their lap, like as a meat shield after a bad game where it's like, I feel I think I, I haven't been in this situation. You might have been, but you've seen media members like this where they want to ask a tough question, but it's like their three year old daughters right there. It's like, I don't really know that I can ask this. Yeah, I. uh I've been lucky enough to never have been in a press conference where there's a child on the person I'm talking to's lap. Uh, and I do appreciate that. Like, you know, like when, when Steph did it with uh, Riley, that's her name, right? Yes. Um, yeah. His daughter, that's very cute. That was like something endearing, but now as it happens more and more, like, okay, we've, uh, we've, <laughs> we've seen this before. Your children are beautiful. I love children, but it's like, uh, I mean, I, I don't have a child, but like, I'm not going to have my child sitting on my lap in the post game press conference. Like, it's just like a it's just like a workspace. So, man, th- there's no way to make this argument without sounding like a terrible person, by the way. So I'm just going to shut up. I'm looking forward to Mark Dagnalt and his uh, his child at the podium as you try to ask him about stuff and they both just shoot you like death stares of like, why? Why would you ask that? Yeah, also it's like why do you really want your like kid in front of all these cameras and stuff? Like anyway, kid starting a podcast, he's trying to get clout, he's trying to get in on the fame early. But Joe, it's fun as always when we get to join up and talk about these things. I'm glad you're having a fun time in LA. Hopefully the weather will get better. Uh you mentioned a store that you wanted to plug earlier that you were getting into about just how well the Thunder have been playing. If you wanted to hit on that one more time or anything else you're working on, love to showcase that real quick before we get out of here. Yeah, a couple things if you missed it. Uh, first, went went down to Hamilton, Ontario, where Shay's from, did a story from there while I was out in Toronto. Um, talked to some of his childhood friends, and I think hopefully if you if you read that, you'll get a very uh, a better sense of kind of who Shay is and the place that shaped him. Uh, the story mentioned earlier. Basically, it's just like the Thunder's better than its play-in competition, and that's not me saying it. That's the numbers loudly saying it. Uh, and then, obviously, we'll have coverage from from these games out here. Uh, not sure what else is, is going to be uh, cooking up, but hopefully something good. Should be fun. Yeah, Joe running through the six like Drake out there, but... Uh... Good time, nonetheless. Hope you have a fun time at the game tonight. I don't even know if you got that Drake lyric I bear, reference. I, it, I didn't get it at first, but um, but I get it now. I'll have the a full, six. I'll have like a roll. Toronto, decks, right? Apparently, I, that's that's a question for Shay. That's not for me. I'm not from that area. Shay, what is the six? 
Shay, um, great game tonight. What is the six? <laughs> Have you ever gone running through it with oh, your boy. with your woes, if any time? But yeah, let's get out of here before you and I, before specifically I say something dumb after kicking kids <laughs> out of press conference rooms and asking what the six is. But thank you all so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. We are brought to you by the Oklahoma. And make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderBudPod. And we'll be back again for another edition of the podcast on Friday. <laughs> <laughs>